What is up, guys? This is Scott from Iron Legion. This is episode 320 of the Not Born This Way podcast, official podcast of the Iron Legion Strength Company and Not Born This Way brand of apparel. All right, so some of you guys have heard me talk about this before, but one of the things that was most helpful to me uh, early on and, and still is, is hearing from people who I considered successful, people who I thought had kind of made it in business or athletics or whatever, um, hearing about some of the challenges and mistakes they had made, the challenges they had seen, uh, the things that they had really screwed up, like it helped me to hear about all the things that went wrong because when I would see these people uh, as successful, I would imagine if I hadn't heard these stories that everything always went according to plan, right? And they had kind of succeeded on everything on the way to where they are now. Because we typically only see the finished product or see the highlights, right? By the time we uh, usually start being aware of somebody, right? Think of a musician or a business person, you know, we don't usually see them on the come up. We don't see them on the way. We, we, we are introduced to them as fans or as followers or whatever when they've made it. So we really don't know the true story of getting up there. And then when we hear the story, the story is usually the, the highlight version, right? All the good things that happened on the way up. Well, I talk about this a lot when, uh, you know, if I'm ever interviewed on a podcast, I feel like uh, it's probably really boring for anybody that listens to more than one of them because it's always pretty much the same story. You know, most people ask me how I got started and the various things that I do, and I tell them this kind of punch, punch, uh, punch line story of like all the things that happened that got me here. But most of them are, are kind of like good things, right? Like a highlight reel. Um, but I thought it'd be, it'd be kind of cool today to share some of my, uh, biggest fuck ups and blunders <laughs> along the way, because, um, there are many and many things that went wrong. Uh, because I think for a lot of you guys who are, uh, starting out on a journey of, of any sort, right? Whether it's business, fitness, uh, your own personal project, something like that, uh, things are going to go wrong. And a lot of times when they do, you, you, we perceive them as like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not cut out for this. This is not how it's supposed to go. I probably shouldn't do this, right? Because all these things seem to be going wrong. When, uh, in fact, I think it's honestly just par for the course, man. I think, at least for me, a lot of stuff went wrong, and a lot of stuff went sideways. And um, most of the time, I learned from it and got better from it. And I think that's probably the story for, for most people. So. I'll start out with one of my favorite ones, which is way back when I was a kid. Um, I'm sure there's others, but this is one of the first, like, really, like, tough stories I can remember from a, from a like, whoa, that didn't go as planned sort of, sort of thing. So, like, um, I played baseball most of my life as a kid, right? So I remember playing, like, Little League. I was, like, 9 or 10 or whatever. And... Uh, I played it from 
starting very young. I've I practiced with my dad all the time and uh, I was pretty good. So I was, uh, I remember being on the all-star team. I remember winning the all-star MVP when I was like 10 um, and just really being good at baseball and always being one of the better players on whatever team I played for and uh, just enjoyed it. And um, as I got into high school, um, I discovered hockey. We started playing floor hockey in gym. Uh, I had never played hockey, never really watched hockey on TV. Uh, my town didn't have a hockey team or anything like that. Uh, I live in Maine now, so hockey's like a normal thing. But in New Jersey at the time, it wasn't a big deal. Um, but I kind of loved it, right? And uh, it, it kind of overtook my love for baseball really quickly. So I got interested in learning how to play hockey, played some street hockey with my friends, got some rollerblades, learned how to skate. I didn't really know how to ice skate. Started taking ice skate, uh, took a couple ice skating lessons. I think like one, because again, that wasn't a big thing at the time. But my dad like paid the guy that worked at the pro shop at a hockey rink that was about 35 minutes from my house. Uh, he would drive me up there on like Friday nights to skate. I didn't have a license yet. And um, it was like Friday night open skate. And I really sucked. I couldn't stop. I could only turn one direction. So he paid the guy that worked in the um, hockey, uh, like the pro shop, to give me a lesson at least and show me how to stop and try to like cross over turn. And then he told me about, a, a, he told us about a, a hockey camp that was there in the summer that I should go to. So I was like, all right, you know, right on. So we had to find out, um, you know, what equipment we needed and stuff. At this point, I had really played a lot of uh, street hockey on, on uh, roller skates or um, roller blades with my friends in like a tennis court. And I was decent. Again, I was fairly athletic and I really loved the sport. So I practiced constantly, uh, but basically by myself, you know, in the driveway, shoot pucks against the house, um, you know, skating around on a um, school parking lot with my rollerblades. Um, so I felt like I was decent among my little peer group of people that didn't really know how to play. But I had never really been around people that really knew how to play hockey or had any kind of formal training in hockey. So I have to buy, uh, you know, equipment and stuff for ice hockey. I don't really know what to buy, so the guy tells us what to get. And then, um, so now I think I'm like 15, right? So hockey camp comes Monday. I don't know. Let's, let's say it starts at 10 o'clock. I don't remember. So we get dressed at my house, put all my stuff on. So I basically like put all my equipment on. If you've ever seen a hockey player, you know what I'm talking about. We got the padded pants, shin guards, shoulder pads, elbow, jersey, helmet. So obviously I don't have my helmet on, but I pretty much have everything on. And uh, my sneakers, you know, and I'm carrying my skates and my stick, my helmet in like a little duffel bag. And I pull up, I pick up my, mom, my mom pulls up and I get out of the car and I notice that like all the other dudes my age that are walking in are dressed in like street clothes. They have these big bags that are like giant duffel bags. You've seen them if you know anybody that plays hockey. And they got all their gear in there. So they're basically wearing jeans and t-shirts and sneakers and they're carrying their stuff because like normal high school kids, they are going to change in the locker rooms. But me, 
not having played hockey or any kind of organized sport like this, I only knew what I did with baseball, which was get dressed in your uniform at home because we don't have locker rooms at a baseball field, right? You, you show up in your uniform and you put your cleats on. So I'm rolling up to this hockey camp like a fucking peewee, like a little kid. Like it's what little kids do. Little kids get dressed, their parents dress them at home and they show up in their, in their skates or in their uh, uniforms. But high school kids don't do that. So I'm, I'm already kind of like a laughing stock, right? Like people are like, what the hell? Uh, I don't know literally anything that's going on. So like, I don't know where the locker rooms are. I don't know how everybody's getting divided up. Uh, we get on the ice and everybody starts skating around and warm up. And I'm, I'm immediately like, I am so out of my element here, right? These guys are all whizzing around skating backwards crossover i mean i find out they're all high school hockey players this is like a summer camp that all the high school local high school kids who play on teams come to this is not like a beginner learn how to play hockey thing so i'm immediately like oh shit uh when the instructors finally come out they're like all right guys everybody line up at the end and uh we're going all the way down stop and skate backwards back so everybody goes in a big, big group, and um, I'm one of the last ones to get down to the end, but that wasn't the worst of it. At least I could skate forward decent. We have to stop and skate backwards. Um, I, can, I, I really can't skate backwards, I don't think, at the time. So literally, if you know hockey players, they can skate backwards as well as they can skate forwards. So everybody skates backwards all the way down. I'm probably 15 feet from where we start skating backwards to try to head back. And I, I'm like, I'm, the whole place is watching me try to figure out how to skate backwards and get down. So humiliating. I've never experienced anything like this in my life. So I, I can't skate back. Uh, I think they probably patiently waited for me the first time. But then by the second time, they just all went without me because it was like, no way. Um, and this kind of shit just continued for the day and for the week. So... Every drill we tried to do, I was the last one. I couldn't skate backwards. I didn't know how to turn, uh, cross over, turn it in a certain direction. Uh, forget the passing and shooting. And I mean, it was just, I had gone from, you know, being one of the best guys in my little league to by far the worst person at this camp. And, um, I had just never experienced anything like this. And it was, um, again, you know, many worse things have happened to many kids. Uh, so this is the worst thing that happened to me. Uh, I'm pretty lucky. But the point was, it was absolutely, absolutely humiliating. People would be you know, skating by me, laughing. I'd be on the ground. People would be making comments. And um, it, it, it just kind of wrecked me. But uh, I remember at break, I, I called my house, you know, and my mom was like, how's it going? And I was like, man, I told her, she's like, do you want me to come get you? And I said, you know, I, I don't. And she said, are you sure? I said, no, I don't. And I was, I don't, I, to this day, I don't know why, but I was, I was, I was not going to like let this stop me. Right. Even though um, I couldn't imagine like anything worse. Um, so the day went on. And, I, you know, I survived it. The next day, I think, you know, I, I went there so nervous. So, again, I go home and I'm like, guys, I'm mad at my parents because they sent me there dressed like a little kid. 
So we uh, obviously don't have like a hockey bag at home. Sorry, I'm, I'm taking my dog out here. So I like my dad has a army bag, a duffel bag from the army, like camouflage green cloth bag. So at least I use that the next day. But even that, it's like, I mean, standing out like a sore thumb with everybody. Uh, and they're like fancy hockey bags and I got a freaking army bag. And now the sec second day, I'm so nervous that I leave the rubber skate guards on my blades when I go to get on the ice. So if you try to skate with skate guards on, if you ever made that mistake, uh, skates don't work really well if the metal blades don't touch the ice. So I, I step on the ice, fall down immediately. And again, people are skating by making comments like, helps if you take the skate guards off. And like, I mean, it was seriously unbelievable. Um, don't know anybody. And obviously nobody wants to sit and, uh, you know, eat lunch with the dude that's went on the ice with the skate guards on. So I'm kind of hanging out by myself the whole time. Um, I think by Wednesday or Thursday, uh, I'm getting a little bit better. But uh, the cool part I noticed there was at this point, just the fact that I kept showing up, I believe was getting me a little bit of like respect from the instructors and from some of the players. So I think they were like, holy shit, I can't believe this kid is still showing up because I would not have, I think is what they were thinking. Um, so by the end of the week, I got a bit better, made a couple friends, uh, earned maybe a little bit of respect. But I think for me, I learned a big lesson about um, just not, not giving up in the face of, you know, this kind of humiliation and failure. And, uh, you know, hockey went on to be a really big part of my life. I was able to uh, play at a pretty good level club team at Rutgers in college. Uh, most of my friendships, my social life, my, I mean, everything about college for me was playing hockey. Um, so again, big lesson there was like, if I had let my ego or my pride get in the way, I would have missed out on something that became a very big part of, uh, of who I was and, and who I am today. Um, I think I went on even to be assistant captain my senior year and then an assistant coach the following year. Um, so it was just like a really cool story as I remember it. But that was my one of my first tastes of like, wow, like this is kind of an epic fail, right? So let's look at let's look at like the business world, right? Because again, I think you you see th people that um, you know appear to be successful, and you emulate them, but you don't know like what happens. So let me start with uh, as many of you guys know. I, I left college after you know, playing. When I went to college, all I really wanted to do was play hockey, to be honest with you. So I just picked um, any major uh, that, that I thought would be easy and allow me to play hockey. And that was uh, something called landscape architecture, which uh, to this day, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't work five minutes in a landscape architecture job. Uh, so when I got out, I did not know what to do. I had gotten into lifting and bodybuilding when I was playing hockey and that had now become my new obsession. So all I cared about junior and senior year was not even hockey as much anymore, but lifting and bodybuilding. So I got out, got a job as a trainer and uh, that's a story for another day. But, but at some point I realized if I'm gonna make this like a real living as a trainer, I'm gonna need to go somewhere and do it 
where I can make some real money and have some real clients. So I was going to go to New York City and do it. So uh, I went to New York City and, well, I'll give you the, the longer version first. I went out and uh, got an interview at a place called Equinox, which was like an incredible... I was coming from a small little family gym in New Jersey. I had maybe one or two client sessions literally a week uh, where people would pay maybe maybe 40 bucks for a session, 35 bucks for a session. I'd make maybe 15 and I had maybe two of those a week. Otherwise, I just worked the front desk. It was really my job. So I got this. Uh, I set up this interview in Equinox. I get out there and... Uh, you know, for me, going from New Jersey, I'd been to New, New York like twice in my life. So it was very overwhelming and intimidating. I had to take, I uh, had to drive, find a place to park. And, you know, you, if you know New York City at all, I mean, you can imagine. But I walk into Equinox and it's absolutely epic. Um, I, I've never seen anything like it. It was like three or four floors, uh, like open in the center. So you, like the stairs were in the middle. I mean, it was just my dream. Uh I interviewed pretty well. I only had one certification. I wasn't like super duper qualified, but I was really passionate, um, pretty knowledgeable for a guy that wasn't, uh, you know, super duper certified or didn't have a college education. And the guy basically said, yeah, listen, we can get you, um, you know, here's all the way all the certifications work once you're here. Uh, but you know, we'd, we'd like to bring you on. We could like, I got hired on the spot. So I get back in my car. I'm all excited. This is going to be my my new life, right? New York City trainer, Equinox. I drive home and then like within a couple days, uh, I just straight chickened out, man. I, I, I found all the reasons why it wouldn't work, right? The commute was too long. It was going to cost me too much money and gas, too much time to park. Um, I was frankly intimidated by going there and having to get all these other uh, certifications. Um, and it was just safer and more comfortable for me to stay at my little gym and be like the big fish in a small pond kind of vibe, right? So I chickened out and um, I spent the next couple of years regretting it, uh, but, but actually believing my own bullshit, right? Believing the reasons why I shouldn't do it. Believing why I should just stay at my little gym in New Jersey. And uh, I did even did some bullshit math where I was like, if I just get this many more clients here, um, that would be just as good and better because I wouldn't have to commute. I mean, you guys have done this. It's all, all the way we talk ourselves into our shitty ideas. So probably five or six years later, uh, I did it again. I went back and this time I interviewed at Crunch. I had a connection uh, with the manager there. So I um, got offered the job there. This was a little bit easier um, gig because it was straight off the path train. So in New Jersey, I could drive to uh, the train station, take the train into New York, and then take a path train, which is like subway. Actually, the path train came from New Jersey, sorry, and then popped up about, you know, 100 yards from my gym. So it was way easier than having to drive in and park and all the nonsense from Equinox. But it was still a huge project, uh, but uh, I did it. So similarly, I'm there for about, um, you know, I don't know, a couple of weeks, and I only have a couple clients because, again, 
this is a commercial gym where you have to kind of walk the floor and get your get your clients. So uh, my manager uh, was really impressed with my resume at this point because I've been training people for like 10 years. I was competing as a bodybuilder uh, pretty successfully and was pretty, pretty good at being a trainer, to be honest. So he was excited for me. I was excited for me. And I don't know, we get a month or two into it, and I have really not very many clients. And he's talking to me about how to get more clients. And, but the problem is I had to get there at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. in order to catch the busy times. And I was coming from New Jersey. Like, I was rolling up at like typically like 8 or 9 o'clock. And he's like, dude, you're missing all the clients. You know, like everybody's gone to work by now. You got to get here at 5 or 6. And I was like, bro, I'm coming from New Jersey. And I had still had my other job. So I was like working nights at the other job. And he's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. You know, you, you can roll up at 9, everyone's gone. So you got to get here earlier. So I think I was stubbornly agreed when I finally got a client at like 6 a.m. So I had to start getting up at, you know, probably 3.45 or 4 to get in there by 5 or 6 and um, slowly started to pick up, but still honestly was um, not where I needed to be. And I spent hours and hours a day sitting at a little coffee shop across the street from the gym pondering my decisions and again uh working on talking myself out of it uh around this time this is again probably six or eight months i've been there i remember the manager pulls me aside and he says honestly dude i'm super disappointed and i was like what he's like i'm really disappointed i thought by now you'd be busy and making good money and have so many clients and like you're just not it's just it's just not happening man so this was a big kick in the ass too, right? Cause I'm like, oh my God, like I'm finally got this opportunity and I'm letting my boss down and letting myself down. Um, and I think that was probably the kick in the ass that I needed to finally start um, walking the floor more uh, aggressively, trying to find new clients and do all the things that I needed to do, which eventually worked out. Eventually I got busy, eventually, um, I started making good money, became one of the top trainers at that gym, but uh, it was not without pretty serious struggle to get going and a lot of self-doubt and questioning my, like, like lack of questioning my ability, questioning my, uh, what I was even doing there, uh, questioning if I was worthy of being there, questioning if I should even try or just tuck my tail and go back to New Jersey. Like there was a, a good year of really, um, again, questioning my kind of decisions before things started to work out. So I stayed there for a few years, right? Uh, that was great, honestly. I really loved it, met some awesome people, got the best experience, made good money, met my wife, my future wife. And then um, at some point I got the opportunity to go to Florida and open a gym with my brother-in-law, personal training studios down there. So when I go down there, uh, we're gonna, he's gonna be the primary investor. I'm gonna invest whatever I can. And then we're gonna open up some, some places together, uh, which sounds great to me, right? I've never had any experience opening or running a gym, but um, 
I was just happy to have this opportunity with somebody who could help me do it. Good morning, guys. Um, so we head down there and get started. And oh, did I mention it was about 2007, 2008 when we're opening our personal training gym in Miami when the economy crashed. So basically, I uh, had just, you know, taken all of my savings uh, and invested it with my business partner and, and his money into getting these gyms going. And then uh, the real estate crash happened. Most people that could afford personal training uh, couldn't afford it anymore. And we struggled for several years in Miami trying to get this business going um, the way that we thought it could. Because when we sat down and put it all on paper, before making the decision to open, it all made a lot of sense. But with an economy crash like that and everybody's financial situation changing, uh, the numbers didn't really work anymore. So um, all of a sudden we were spending more money than we were making. We, we couldn't find the clients we thought we could. We couldn't charge what we thought we could. So I spent the next three years probably really struggling, uh, really again, super stressed out all the time. Uh, I've gone into this on other podcasts. I'm not going to get too into this one now, but I, I, I got very depressed, um, struggled to get out of bed and even go to work every day because it felt like impossible. It felt like the situation we were in was not possible. I was responsible for making this business work for my partner and for my family. Um, at that point, I was the primary um, you know, breadwinner or whatever you want to call it for my wife and myself, we had a baby on the way, or actually we had Charlie at that point, um, and things were just not working out financially, and I couldn't see a way that it would possibly work. Um, so that was absolutely brutal. Uh, the way it finally did work out was my partner had a second location that um, uh, he had opened first before me. Um, that manager didn't work out. I ended up taking over that location, so I was running now two locations, uh, neither of which were doing really well, but they were doing well enough to keep us above water. And because I was able to take a salary from both, I could actually uh, start to make ends meet and kind of dig my way out of my uh, depression and stress funk um, that was kind of crippling me for so long. And then uh, we decided, my wife and I, that we wanted to move. We didn't want to live there anymore. Um, you know, kind of not based on the business, just other, other circumstances. But uh, we ended up uh, selling the gyms uh, and then heading up here to Maine. So, you know, my first foray into running a business was uh, pretty awful, right? Pretty, pretty difficult um, and something that made me not want to do it again, to be honest with you. And I, like I learned a lot. I learned a lot about... Uh, building a team, I had a great team there, I had awesome clients, uh, learned a lot of, you know, uh, expensive, painful business lessons, but uh, overall it was not a good uh, experience, definitely made me not want to do it again, right? So we come up to Maine, and uh, the last thing I want to do is uh, run a business again. So I got a job working for uh, a corporate fitness thing and then 
uh, started training some people again a couple years later on the side in the mornings just for some cash and because I missed being a trainer. Uh, but I did not have any interest in uh, having a gym, right? Uh, the owner of that gym uh, knew that I had owned a gym before and, and offered me an opportunity to buy the gym. Um, and I was like, no way, like, absolutely not. The last thing I want to do is have a gym. Um, but then I changed my mind. I say yes, start making plans to buy this gym. And then uh, he takes back the offer. Right now, I had already basically quit my job, um, and now the opportunity that I think I'm going to have is taken away. So here I have this massive roadblock where I'm like, all right, I'm leaving my job, and I can't buy the gym that I was going to buy, and I also have no money. I was going to buy it as like an owner finance thing, which is why uh, the guy selling it ended up changing his mind. So here we go again now, right? I am absolutely pretty much lost with like, what am I doing here? Um, I, I have this job that I don't like. I just had this opportunity that disappeared. Um, you know, what, how many more things could possibly go wrong? Right. Uh, now as many of you guys know, cause I've told this story so many times, uh, this is what led to the iron legion, right? Uh, it, it was our first, when we opened up, it was first called Iron Will, uh, but a small little space. But that all came about because that other thing fell apart. Um, and then uh, Iron Will turns out that it was uh, already trademarked or something. So I had to change the name. That was a bit of a challenge, not a big deal. Uh, but then uh, I'm going to give you two more examples of, uh, you know, some pretty, some pretty big fuck ups. Uh, next one was. After a couple of years in business, we decided we should start franchising, right? We wanted to expand the brand, grow it. And uh, I talked to a bunch of people and it sounded like the best way to do that was through franchising, right? So you, you create a model that other people can replicate and, um, you know, they, they open up gyms in your, with your name and run it the way you want it to be running. And they, uh, you know, pay a royalty each month for the gym and they pay some money up front for the intellectual property of, of you teaching them how sounded great but i didn't know where to begin uh found out there was companies that will help you get franchised so you pay them they come in and they kind of put together all the documentation and things you need to start franchising so i thought all right i'll spend it was like forty thousand dollars so we'll spend that much money but we'll make it back in the first two locations and then we'll be off to the races and become millionaires right as we sell 20, 30, 40 locations. Well, uh, I had to borrow the money because I didn't have it. Um, and then we went through the process, spent our 40,000 that we borrowed, and then found out after that, uh, and again, this is very naive of me as a business person, that after spending the 40 grand to get ready to franchise, I would still have to spend a ton of money advertising the franchise because people aren't just going to all of a sudden start knocking on your door to buy your franchise just like they're not starting to not start they're not going to start knocking on your door to uh utilize any kind of business that you have well we started spent i had about six thousand dollars left i think from what i borrowed so we started spending a thousand dollars a month on ads and in five months spent five grand and got no leads not a single qualified lead i talked to probably 
15 people who were not good fits for what we were trying to do. Uh, and, it's, and it quickly became apparent that this was not uh, working out the way we thought. We did a, a trade show, uh, spent a bunch of money to go down to Florida, get a booth, do a trade show, nothing. Um, I finally talked to some people who were in the franchise world who, if you were added to their portfolio, they would shop you around to potential buyers and stuff. Uh, but they told me it would take me, oh, I don't know, I think it was a couple hundred thousand dollars to really get them to, it would cost me that much money for them to shop us around uh, effectively. And I was like, who, who the fuck has a couple hundred thousand dollars who's trying to start up a franchise, right? Like I was so blown away and also disappointed in my own uh, naivete that I didn't even think about the fact that once I was franchisable, I'd have to actually spend money on marketing and systems to get this thing sold, which I should have known, right? So I finally had to just make the realization that also, um, after having explored this for a year or so, I, I didn't want to franchise, at least not in that way. I didn't want to sell my brand to people I didn't know. Um, as we're speaking right now, 2023, uh, we're looking to open up, up some franchises with current coaches or people that I already know who are already on board with the brand. But back then it was about random people that would want to do it. And uh, it finally occurred to me that I don't want to do that. It's not what I want, but it cost me over 40 grand to learn that lesson. Uh, so that was a big one. And then let's fast forward to today, even most recently. You know, as you guys know, I have a Not Born This Way brand apparel, right? And uh, up until about six months, eight months ago, um, a good friend of mine was doing my printing everything was going well and as we were growing uh, we kind of outgrew my friend's capabilities so i uh, asked around if somebody knew of a printer who could help me print and ship and take care of you know i had a pretty decent sized business at this point and i was pointed to a guy who uh claimed he could do all of it he could print for me he could warehouse the stuff and ship it um build my website for me all this stuff so i immediately was uh, excited about the opportunity, seemed like a good guy. Um, and I made this rookie mistake of really not uh, checking a whole lot of really any references, even didn't even like go into his uh, site all that much. I just took my friend's recommendation at face value and then took what this guy told me. Well, fast forward to now, um, the guys basically didn't deliver on anything. Um, that he said he would do, uh, printed some shirts and got some to the customers as promised, but, uh, I'm, I'm probably three months from when we opened back up again and still have customers that were promised shirts that didn't have them. Um, I received about 300 shirts at one point that were all crooked and I had to send them all back and it took about two months to get those replaced. Um, as, as we speak right now, I'm still waiting for couple hundred shirts that were supposedly in stock and that he was going to have in his warehouse just to ship to me. Uh, I still haven't gotten them. Uh, I was delivered a website that was about 50% built that I had to hire another person for more money 
uh, last week to redo, which is much better now. Um, but all in all, I'm going to say this was probably like a 10 grand loss at this point because everybody who didn't receive their items, I had to refund um, and I'm still planning to get their items to them. So I had to pay for the shirts from the printer and then also refund the people who bought them. So everybody that I refunded cost me, um, you know, double basically. Uh, so, you know, another example guys of just, this is how things look in the real world of growing a business, um, or building a, a career. I mean, there's countless more. I'm, I'm cutting these down and I'm telling short versions of the story to save time for the podcast here. Um, but this is, this is how it goes. Um, but the good news is, you know, when my opportunity to buy the gym here in Maine fell apart, uh, that led to Iron Legion being what it is now, because it wouldn't have been this if it went the other way. Um, with this most recent debacle of the t-shirts, uh, I've, I've found a local guy who uh, I really like, and uh, I have good, good, good feeling that this will work out better. Uh, my new website is much improved, and the woman who's helping me with it is great. And I'll be able to work with her continuously at this point, so I'll have a better site than I did before. I was forced to learn how to use Shopify on the inside rather than relying on this guy. Um, so now I know how to use it better and I can do things myself. I uh, still haven't figured it all out. I'm still working on learning a lot of stuff. But point being, um, if you're encountering these big challenges and feel like you're making all these mistakes and, and having all these fuck-ups on your journey to uh, – to accomplishing whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. Just understand that um, that's how it goes, man. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there are people out there who have not run into things like this, um, but I think more often than not, most people have. Uh, so if it's happening to you, um, stay the course, you know? Understand that this is it, this is how it goes. Uh, look for the lessons that you can learn um, in the process and uh, just keep grinding, man. Uh, Anyway, this is a long one. If you're still there, appreciate you. And uh, I just ordered my podcasting official equipment. So if sound quality on this one sucks, just I'm walking my dog and I got AirPods on. But in a couple days, I will have a microphone and a headset and all this good stuff so I can start having guests on via Zoom and in person and uh, should be much better podcast. So um, I'll talk to you all soon. Peace.